Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Well, good morning, Seeds Church family. I know you've already been greeted this way, but I'm so excited. I'm going to greet you again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, it's uh, it's Easter. Can yes. you believe it? It's Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. The world has been so heavy for the last few weeks, but we have much reason to rejoice and celebrate yeah. today. Our Lord is risen. He's not dead. He's not in a tomb. The tomb is empty, praise God. Hey, I do want to let you know that at the end of the service, towards the end of the service, we are going to be observing the Lord's table together. We're going to be taking communion. And so if you've got your elements handy, uh, that's good. If you don't have them handy, go grab something. It doesn't actually have to be, you know, a cracker or juice. It can be whatever because it's not about what the actual elements are. It's about what they represent. So if you need to get up and go do that, go do that really quickly. But um, last week, we watched a Bible project video that talked a little bit about in Luke chapter 19 through 23, the story of Palm Sunday when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And, um, and we're going to kind of basically pick back up where that story leaves off, right? right. So uh, we've got our resurrection eggs here this morning. And I know that many of you have these at home as well. And so if you have these handy, I want you to get ready because we're getting ready to watch another Bible Project video that continues the story. And if we want you to get your resurrection eggs out and see if you can follow along with the Bible Project video with your resurrection eggs. So when the video's over, we'll come back and we've got some more good things to talk about. Watch this. We've been looking at the story of Jesus as it's told in Luke's gospel. It begins with the arrival of an unlikely king born in poor, humble circumstances. Then we saw Jesus as a teacher, prophet. He went throughout Israel calling people to a radical way of life, where enemies become friends, the poor are cared for, where people find forgiveness for their failures. He went from town to town inviting people to follow him and live under God's reign in this upside-down way. And he did many signs and wonders, so many Israelites began to hope that he would rescue Israel from the Romans and set up a new kingdom of peace and justice. In short, that he would bring the kingdom of God. Now, the religious leaders of the day were also hoping for God's kingdom. But to them, the message of Jesus was a threat. Yeah, they had expected to gain power and prestige when this all went down. But Jesus said God's kingdom belongs to the poor, to the outsider, and that real power is serving others in love. This conflict intensified when Jesus, while in Jerusalem, disrupted the temple sacrifices and called Israel's leaders a gang of rebels. So they arrested Jesus, and they had him accused before the Roman authorities of being a rebel king. He was handed over for execution, even though he was innocent. Then he was taken outside the city and put to death on false charges. This brings us to the final section of the Gospel of Luke. There was a religious leader named Joseph who opposed Jesus' execution and then requested to be given his body so he could bury Jesus in a nearby tomb. And then a couple of days later, some women who had followed Jesus came to visit that tomb, and they found it open and empty. 
and they encountered these mysterious figures telling them Jesus was alive from the dead. So they run away terrified. Nobody believes their report. I mean, he can't be alive. They all saw him die. Now, just outside of Jerusalem, a pair of Jesus' followers were leaving the city, traveling on a road to a town called Emmaus. And they were sad and confused about everything that had happened. Then Jesus shows up, walking alongside them. But they don't know it's him. Yeah, that's weird. Why couldn't they recognize him? Yeah, it's an odd but really significant image for Luke. They're blind to Jesus for some reason. So Jesus asks them, what are you guys talking about? And they begin to tell him about Jesus, a powerful prophet who they expected would rescue Israel, but was instead executed. Some women say he's alive, which is crazy. It's all too much. We're going home. So Jesus tries to explain that this is what the Jewish scriptures had been pointing to all along that Israel needed a king who would suffer and die as a rebel on behalf of those who actually are rebels. And then he would be vindicated by his resurrection so he could give true life to those who would receive it. But it's still not making sense. They're as confused as ever. Which leads to the scene where they sit down for a meal with Jesus. He takes the bread, he blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them, just as he did at the Last Supper. Yeah, this is the image of his broken body, his death on the cross. And it's when they take in the broken bread, that's when their eyes are open to see Jesus. Then he disappears and the episode's over. So this is a story about how it's hard to see Jesus for who he really is. Yes, this is brilliant. I mean, how could God's royal power and love be revealed through this man's shameful execution? How could a humble man become the king of the world through weakness and self-sacrifice? It's very hard to see. But this is the message of the Gospel of Luke. It takes a transformation of your imagination to see it and embrace Jesus' upside-down kingdom. The Gospel of Luke ends with Jesus and all of his disciples together over another meal. And everyone's freaking out about his resurrected body. I mean, he's still a human, but way more. Yes, he's passed through death and come out the other side, a walking, talking piece of new creation. And then Jesus tells them that he's going to give them the same divine power that sustained him so they can go out and share the good news of God's kingdom with other people. After this, Luke tells us that Jesus was taken up into heaven, which is a cool exit and all, but why disappear into the sky? So in the Old Testament, the skies are the place of God's throne. They're above everything. So this is Luke's way of showing that Jesus has been enthroned as the divine king of the whole world. His followers stay in Jerusalem, worshiping God and Jesus, waiting for this new power, and this is where the gospel ends. Now, Luke is going to write about how they receive this power and take the news out into the world, and that's what his second volume, the book of Acts, is all about. What an amazing video to watch to just draw us into the story of what this week is all about leading right up until today. I love in the part of the video where it talks about Jesus after his resurrection um, appearing to some of his disciples and they say the disciples didn't even recognize who he was. They didn't see him for who he was. Which brings us to what we wanted to speak to you today about. If you have your resurrection eggs, keep them out in front of you. If you don't, we have some right here so that you can join in on the story with us. But we want to talk to you this morning about how sometimes we forget what Jesus is right in front of us, who he is right there next to us in our everyday lives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's go here to this green egg. And if you open up the green egg, you'll find this whip. 
And in John chapter 19, verse 1, it talks about how Pilate had Jesus whipped with a lead tip whipped. And what we know historically is that this was called the cat of nine tails. And it was a whip made out of nine different strands. And inside of it, woven together, were pieces of rock and, and metal and glass. And the Romans were uh, experts at knowing how to torture people to the point of death. And they knew that 40 lashes would kill a man. 40 lashes with a cat of nine tails would kill a man. And, and so uh, we believe, scholars believe that, that Jesus was beat one shy of that before going to the cross. His body was torn apart. He was scourged. He was, his body was just absolutely devastated. But it was for a purpose. It was for a purpose. And it was for the healing of our bodies. His body was torn apart so that our body wouldn't have to be. Yeah. He is our healer. And sometimes I think we forget about that. We think about the, the healing of our souls. We think about the salvation of our souls. But we need to always be reminded that Jesus is available to heal every part of us, spirit, soul, and body. Yeah, by his stripes. Yes. We are healed. Yeah, that's what Isaiah says. And also Peter repeats Isaiah later in the, in the Bible is that, by his wounds, we are healed. Yeah. By his stripes, we are healed. Yeah. And he is our healer. Yeah. So good. So if you go um, and open the orange egg here, you find this crown. In Matthew 27, 27 through 29, the soldiers assigned to the governor took Jesus into the governor's palace. And they got the entire brigade together for some fun. And they stripped him and they dressed him in a red toga. And they took a thorn bush and made the crown. And they put it on his head. Then they put a stick in his right hand as a scepter. And then it said that they knelt before him in reverence. But it was really just to mock him. And they said, bravo, king of the Jews. Bravo. But we know that this crown, what this represents is they made fun of him, we know that he really did deserve a real crown. Yeah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah. And I think there's times that we forget that in our everyday life, that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we don't just serve him, but it says that we are co-heirs with him. Absolutely. And so that means that everything that he paid for on the cross, everything that he um, did all that this week stands for, all that today stands for, we partake in that as co-heirs of Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. We uh, gladly serve him, but yet he invites us yeah. to partake in all the heavenly blessings that he provides. Yeah. It's amazing. It's remarkable. Awesome. The next egg that I want to talk to you about this morning is this egg here that has a spear in it. I'm going to try my best not to cry while I'm talking about this. But when Jesus was hung on the cross, the pain that he endured must have been unbearable. Yeah. And it says that the guards took a spear and they shoved it into his side. And that blood and water flowed. And then Jesus breathed right before his last breath. 
right before he breathed, he said, it is finished. And in that very moment, something miraculous happened. You see, before Jesus did this, we had to, as humans, have a mediator between us and God. We had to go to a man that was anointed to speak with God on our behalf. And when Jesus did this, when he said, is it finished? All the work, everything that he took on himself tore that veil between us and God and made it possible for us to boldly approach the throne of grace. It's incredible. And so we find ourselves now in this place, generations and generations later, being able to experience the presence of God, to be able to boldly come before him and bring our petitions directly to him because of what Jesus did in that moment. And it's just so powerful, all that he did. And in that moment also, we find that he took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave on our behalf. Yeah, also, I want to say about this spear is that it was a fulfillment of prophecy as well. We know that uh, Jesus represented the pure and spotless lamb of God, that sacrifice for our sin. And the scriptures in the Old Testament talk about how he is that pure and spotless lamb. Now, on the cross, um, the cross is not just an instrument of death, it's also an instrument of torture. Oftentimes, people would suffocate, basically, because of the way they were hanging there. It wasn't just that they bled out from their hands and their feet. Um, it It was a painful, painful death. But when people weren't dying fast enough, the Roman guards would come by with a big sledgehammer and break the knees of those who were hanging on the cross so that they could no longer raise themselves up to breathe. But they didn't do that with Jesus because if they had, there would have been a broken bone in his body. But just like that lamb that was pure and spotless and nothing was broken, Jesus was that. And without them even knowing that they were helping fulfill prophecy, they pierced his side with a spear. And Jesus really is the true Messiah. Yeah. So the last egg that I get to share with you this morning is the white egg. It's my favorite one. It's my favorite too. (laughs) And you may think, this one doesn't have anything in it. And when you open it, indeed it does not. On purpose. And it's because that Jesus is risen. The tomb is empty. Yes. If you remember what happened on that morning, you can read about it in Matthew 28, 5 and 6. It says, the angel spoke to the woman that came. There were women there coming to see Jesus where he was buried. But the stone had been rolled away. And the angel said, there's nothing to fear here. I know that you're looking for Jesus, the one that they nailed to the cross. But he is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and look at the place where he was laying. And so we see that our Savior, our Jesus, the one that sometimes we don't recognize when he's moving on our behalf, when he's standing right in front of us, when he is here in the midst of us, he is risen. Our Savior is not dead. You cannot find where he is buried, but he is alive and well. Amen. He is risen. He is Lord. He's Lord over us. He's Lord over every situation in life. He's Lord over COVID-19. And I just thank God 
that there's no nothing above him. There's no one above him. Yeah. That he is supreme. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful thing to be reminded of that we serve a God who is risen. Amen. We do not serve a God who's still in a tomb somewhere. Yeah. But he is alive, he is risen, and his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Amen. This last egg that I want to open is actually means we're going to have to rewind in the story because we've opened the last egg, the empty tomb here. But if we rewind and we go into this other egg here, we find this cup, this chalice, which represents the Passover supper that Jesus observed with his disciples right before he went to Gethsemane. And in Matthew chapter 26, it talks about this and how Jesus took of the cup, the Passover cup, and he says, this wine is my blood. And he took of the bread and he says, this bread is my body broken for you. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. And at the time, they had no idea what he was talking about. It was probably maybe somewhat confusing. And it's also possible in some way it was confusing because they didn't know that the cross was coming not very much longer after that, just hours after that, basically. But later, it all had to have come together for them. Knowing what the Passover supper was all about, coming out of Exodus, and this, this body that was broken, this bread that was broken is now his body, and this cup of wine is now his blood. And, and today, we're going to, to remember all of that and celebrate the Lord's death and his resurrection and everything that he provided to us through that as we observe communion ourselves. Matthew 26, it says this, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So when we receive communion, we're receiving his body, we're receiving his blood. And every time, that we observe the Lord's table, we should examine ourselves. That's what 1 Corinthians tells us. Paul tells us that. And this is what he says. Paul says, but let every man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So God instituted the Lord's supper for a reason. So when you receive it, you should be ready to partake of everything that Jesus made possible through his sacrifice. Salvation, peace of mind, healing for your body, healing for your emotions, total prosperity, spirit, soul, and body. Yeah. So when we examine ourselves, we're not just examining ourselves and going, oh, look at me, I'm just this old poor sinner. No, we're examining ourselves and saying, look what Jesus has done. Look who he has made me to be because of this bread and this wine, what they represent. His body was broken for us. It was bruised for us. The stripes laid on his back were all for healing. And at communion, we judge ourselves where sickness is concerned as well. Jesus purchased our healing at Calvary just as he purchased our salvation. And I think this is an important time to be reminded of that as, you know, there's sickness going on all over the world with COVID-19 and all the other things that haven't stopped. But for the believer, for you and I, we can rejoice that Jesus provided healing for our bodies. 
So when we partake of this communion, we need to make it a point to judge ourselves to the fullest extent, knowing that we are sons and daughters now. And we don't just have to do this halfway. Don't just do this because, well, this is just what you're supposed to do. No, do it and rejoice in your heart. Accept everything that Jesus' sacrifice has provided. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we recognize that we have a covenant with you, a covenant that was ratified by the shed blood of Jesus at Calvary. Because of that fact, because of Jesus' body being broken for us, because his blood was shed on our behalf, we acknowledge that he bore sin, sickness, disease, sorrow, grief, fear, torment, unforgiveness, strife, lack, all of it. He did that for us. We thank you for his sacrifice, for having complete redemption, total deliverance from the works of Satan. And our confession today is, is that as new creations in Christ Jesus, we realize our freedom has been bought and paid for. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We give thanks for it all in the name of Jesus. And we're going to invite you now to partake of the bread and the wine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything that you provided for us. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for your shed blood. As we're about to close this morning, I just want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the precious name of Jesus, and we thank you for today. We thank you that on this Easter Sunday morning, we remember, Jesus, all that you did for us, all that you continue to do for us. We invite you at this time to let us become more aware of your presence in our lives. God, that we wouldn't have you walking alongside of us day in and day out and not recognize you. But would you open our eyes to see you for who you are and all that you've done for us that is at our disposal as sons and daughters. God, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made by sending your son. And Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made by coming to this earth and putting on flesh and dying in our place. And we invite you, Spirit of the living God, to come and be a part of our everyday lives and help us live out this life following Jesus. In your mighty and precious name we pray, amen. Amen. If you're watching today and you feel like you're far from God, maybe you're not a Christian or a follower of Jesus, but everything that we've been saying today, there's something tugging on your heart, there's something getting your attention saying, you need to do this. You need to take a step toward God. I want to let you know that you can do that today and you can do it with confidence. You know, we don't have to get our lives all in order and, and you know, be 100% perfect before we come to God. That's why God sent Jesus to be perfect for us because we could never be, no matter how hard you try, you cannot be perfect enough to be in the presence of the Holy God. But because of Jesus, we can be in relationship with God. We can be called the sons and daughters of God. Yeah. And if today, if you are not already a son or daughter of God through Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to pray with me 
and tell God, God, I, I want to do that. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. So we're going to pray right now. I'm going to say these words, but you put the meaning behind it. God, I come to you right now and I confess that my life is, is not the reflection of what you want it to be, God. It's not really even a reflection of what I want it to be. It's full of mistakes. It's full of emptiness. God, all the things that, that I've done in my life, they don't, they're not adding up. And so God, I, I wanna come and I wanna give my life to you. I want to know that, that when I die someday, God, that I will be in your presence and not be separated from you for all of eternity in hell, but God, that I want to be in your presence for all of eternity. And so God, I'm coming to you now and I'm giving my life to you. I'm going to proclaim that Jesus is my Lord. He's in charge of my life. He's the boss of my life. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, that the tomb is empty. So now I give all of myself to you everything that I have, everything that I am, and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come and change me, make me new, and make a difference with my life. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.